part my of blood is boiling. Yeah. Exactly. That's why you can tell. But let, let me let me state something to you, Scarborough. You scumbag. Welcome to episode number 38 of the Tim and John Show. I'm Tim Pichot, the Liberty Advisor, joined with my main man, John Snice, and the Economic Truth. And today we are joined by one of the hidden hands behind the scenes, Arthur Diamond Hands, who has done a lot of work to help get this show actually, you know, up and running because, you know, John and I are doing a lot of things on a daily basis. And he's sort of, uh, if you guys are, you know, any of you watch or read Cash Daddies, he's sort of our version of Little E. Once we get him trained up on completely up on the ones and twos, he'll be at the helm controlling things and helping this out, helping the show grow. But we have been up to a lot of things. And one of those things that I've seen that has just blown my mind recently, and it's very hard to blow my mind. I mean, here I am and all hopped up on, you know, caffeinated seltzer water over here. But I see that the M1 monetary data, and, and for those of you who don't know, the M1 data is basically the most uh, narrow definition of the money supply comprising the currency in circulation, plus demand deposits or checking account balances. Also, a measure of the money supply includes currency in circulation, plus demand deposits or checking account balances. And so the other day I was listening to probably a week or two ago, I was listening to uh, my good friend, Ernest Hancock's show. He had on Mark Edge of Free Talk Live. And so a lot of stuff's going on with Free Talk Live, for those who don't know, where one of the co-hosts, uh, actually several of the co-hosts got arrested by the FBI. Uh, one of them was actually, you know, Ian Freeman, who has been interviewed before on the show, Real Time uh, Crypto OG. And so I don't want to, you know, get too much into that and stuff, but, you know, definitely, you know, if you guys want to support them, the crypto6.com. But one of the things I heard Mark Edge say, was that they discontinued the M1 money supply data. They're not publishing it anymore. So for anyone who's watching this right now on screen, with the M1 monetary uh, data, I was like, you know what? That sounds like a pants on fire type thing. Like, no way they stopped publishing the M1 data. And so right now here, I'm at Fred, the uh, Federal Reserve Economic Database of stlouis.org. And you see up here, M1 money stock, how it was traditionally calculated was discontinued. And what's really crazy is you go to, you know, February 17th, 2020, this is measured in billions of dollars, but there was almost, you know, 4,000, uh, you know, billions of dollars that's out there. And then all of a sudden you go to just, you know, a few months later, uh, going over to May and it's at 16. And so it's just a gigantic, you know, a 4X increase of essentially the most narrow definition of money supply out there complete hockey stick, sort of like the, uh, you know, Central Bank of Canada's, uh, you know, balance sheet just going completely to the moon. And now they're telling us that basically they're not publishing it in the same way that they were publishing it before. And so, John, do you want to maybe describe, you know, what's going on and what this really means uh, for all, all of us out there in uh, economic nerd geek land? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because they actually like did uh, did something fun. They uh, they they didn't do too much to change it really, but what they did is they swapped something between M1 and N2, Tim, and uh, it's very interesting. So I'm gonna actually go straight ahead and share my screen. And as you can see here, this is the bulletin from February 21st, um, 2021, and uh, it says you know uh, first monthly uh, H6 statistics statistical release. So what it says there is announced on December 17, 2020, the board uh, board statistical release H.6 money stock measures will recognize savings deposits uh, as a type of transactional uh, transaction account, starting with the, the publication today. This uh, recognition reflects the board's uh, action on April 24th of 2020 to remove the regulatory distinction between transaction accounts and saving, uh, savings deposits by deleting the 
six per month transfer limit on savings deposits in Regulation D. This change means that savings uh, deposits have a, have had a similar regulatory definition and the same liquidity characteristics as the transaction accounts reported as other checkable deposits. On the H.6 statistical release, since the uh, change uh, to Regulation D, consequently, today's H.6 statistical release combines uh, let's see here, combines release items, saving deposits, and other checkable deposits uh, retroactively back to May of 2020 and includes the re resulting sum reported as other uh, liquid deposits in the M1 aggregate. Uh, this action increases M1 monetary aggregate significantly while leaving the M2 aggregate unchanged. So Tim, I I'm trying to figure out because I've been looking at this uh, like for an hour or so, I was trying to figure out like what really like, what made a big difference here? Like why did they move that down to M1, Tim, uh, versus like leaving it up at M2? Like is there uh, a significant gain from them from manipulating the numbers here? Because uh, you, you know a little bit more about, you know, the actual like account type of accounts that a customer could have, right? Uh, so I, I'm curious, like, what did they really like gain by, you know, moving um, moving this uh, back, you know, to um, uh, like uh, moving it from M2 to M1, basically? I mean, they always do things to, you know, make their situation appear better. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, what I heard you say is something like if someone was moving money back and forth between checking and savings and less than six yeah. times that it now it counts as M1 and before it was M2. But I mean, right now we're taking a look at the shadowstats.com alternate data for their money supply charts and you still see all of them are off the charts. So, I mean, even yeah, but what, what really makes the difference though between a checking and savings counts these days? Like there's not very much, like, right? Ooh, like I get oh, I get point zero one percent of my savings, or I get point zero zero one of <laughs> well, my yeah, it's, big whoopty fucking. Well, and yeah, like and, and the bank is basically gambling it on you know derivatives or stocks or whatever garbage they can get their hands on. They don't. And give they also crap. don't. And now they don't yeah. even need to keep anything in reserves, which happened around you know probably last March, uh, yeah. twenty twenty. Well, they, they went to Canadian model. Like we have had the zero reserve policy here for like the last five or six years, and the banks in Canada are the strongest in the world. Uh <laughs> But yeah, then you but then you go over to this uh, yeah. you know shadowsass.com uh, you know commentary and you just take a look at because you I was thinking like okay well if they're moving stuff from M2 to M1 then probably you're going to see a big like drop in M2 but not that's not really the case I mean basically it looks like that went up you know 25 percent uh, you know in the last you know in a few months last year during during the so I wonder what M2 so, but then M1 so but then because... M1 went up 70 yeah. percent so. It's it, it yeah. also part of what I think is going on. So if you have M1 and the banks, you know, are unable to create some sort of money, then there's other uh, fractional reserve lending that they can then create. And I'm sort of just thinking this out loud. I don't know if it's written down. So then if they're then able to, you know, basically leverage it up 10x by, by you know, if they have $10, they can, you know, basically, you know, lend out $100, which not maybe not like they can do even more than that. I don't know. But so let's say they can lend out $100. It almost seems like there's not, the equivalent of loans that are even out there and maybe the banks are just keeping it more for themselves to become you know be able to you know basically get by from being you know, well don't you think they're operations. like look at what happened to our Arcape or what was the name there 
Archegos. You know, like yeah, Archegos, yeah. Like, they basically used uh, and leveraged, you know, uh, the banks uh, to buy the buy the stocks through the CFDs, right? Like, the certificate for the... Uh, what was that again? A certificate for the deposit? No, uh, no it was... Oh, uh, sorry. No, not, definitely, definitely not certificate for deposit. It was... No, uh, I know, I know, no. <laughs> for for di- something for differences, uh, something certificate for differences. I think. Contract yeah, for differences. Yeah, I right. What was that, Diamond Hands? Contract for differences. Contract for differences. Contract. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, sorry about that. Okay. Other c words I was thinking of, but, didn't yeah. say, but okay. But we got. But basically, basically, you. what's interesting, you know, these banksters, like they basically let uh, this guy leverage uh, through his teeth. And uh, what happened was that they basically, he used the banks to own all those stocks that he bought. Like he accumulated a hundred billion dollars worth of uh, stocks, which is insane. That's pretty much like one of the biggest, you know, me and Tim talked about it in our last Tim and John show, one of the biggest wealths ever accumulated. Uh, and uh, he managed to do that. One guy in a, in a hedge fund on his account. Uh, little and, tiger cub. And what happened, like, right after that, well, two banks, like, basically dropped close to 20%. It was Nomura and Credit Suisse. And then you had uh, another bank that got whacked. No, no sorry, uh, stocks that got whacked was Wyacom. Uh, there was two Baidu, and uh, I forgot the other. Was it Alibaba that got whacked, too, uh, in China? Uh, and uh, there was a couple more. Ten, like uh, ten, but anyways. Tencent, Baidu. I mean, mainly the yeah. Wyacom. Viacom CBS was Viacom yeah, CBS was sort of the main one that started yeah. all this because they announced some uh, share. Uh, you know, they were going to basically offer more shares out to the public, which then sort of set all this in motion. And some firms like yeah. Morgan Stanley actually got ahead of this and basically then took large blocks of stock and were like going calling their hedge fund buddies like, "Hey, uh, so you know, we got some uh, large orders here from a margin call, and hey, you know, we can get you a good solid over on this and give you, you know this large block of so- stock for a uh, a real good deal." Which, aka, they were fucking their own their own clients. So these are like major major yeah. hedge funds that are like, "Hey, you know, we can get you this." Oh, well, we know that we know that we don't care yet. We'll we'll get you a good <laughs> discount on it. And then when then they didn't tell. Them, oh yeah, by the way, because it's a huge fucking margin call that's gonna blow up all blow up all your shit. But like, can you imagine that? Like, you're a hedge fund that's managing like. $50 billion and you get a call from Morgan Stanley, like, Hey, we're going to get you this really great deal. And the great deal is like this hot flaming pile of dog shit. That's going to about to like explode like, in the next day. And that's sort of what they did. And well, it then, sounds uh, like, uh, but the thing is, like, but then yeah. they, they still want to be with them because if you're part of the Morgan Stanley ecosystem or Goldman, Goldman Sachs is very similar thing. So it was Goldman and Morgan who got ahead of this and were like, listen, basically fire sellers. We need to get this out of here right now selling it to their own clients. You know, they've called their own clients Muppets before in the past. I mean, yeah. like, can you imagine like if I like had any of that sort of inf- information and like pass it off to one of my clients, yeah. how pissed that they would be and how, you know, all the regulatory burdens there would be, but wh- who's going to get, you know, Goldman Sachs in trouble. One of their former, you know, basically people that's like running the show right now. And so, but the thing is they need the IPOs if you're one of these, uh, you know, hedge fund people. And so they're basically willing to be, you know, Morgan Stanley's bitch because, and get screwed on this because now they're going to have, yeah, because they're, to, I know, think they're primary. Like, I think Morgan, uh, Morgan Stanley is, they should call primary, them primary right, stealers at the, the are, are, are yeah, crime, yeah, crime, crime brokers or crime brokers and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah uh, exactly. And from Cash Daddies, I didn't know this, but so this was a so Bill Huang. Uh, was of Archegos was a tiger cub, which apparently there was some other guy that was that he was uh, like his mentor, which blah blah blah. 
He was a, okay. So he was one of the so-called tiger cubs of legendary hedge fund manager, Julian Robertson, who mentored and supported some of the best performing investors, including Stefan Mandel, Lee Ainsley and Chase Coleman. And basically, you know, this was, you know, anyone that studied underneath this guy with his protege was called a tiger cub. So I don't know. I didn't come up with the name. I know it sounds kind of stupid according to the, you know, cash jetties too, but uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's just actually crazy. And then I think that I saw another story on Zero Hedge where there was, there was uh, some other big, uh, you know, block trades that were going on, uh, like I think yesterday and the day before. So they're thinking there might be another family office that's that's blowing up as well. And the thing is, this is just one little, I would say little, but one little family office. And it sort of reminds me of what, what was that uh, Klaus Schwab, uh, you know, saying, you know, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Well, I hope, you know, Bill Huang, you know, is happy now that he's, you know, somehow managed to lose $80 billion in the span of- I guess he, I guess he followed, uh, followed the suit of what he told him to do. So, you know, that's, uh, that's the whole thing. It's like you own everything to nothing. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you know, what's funny though, with the certificates for deposit, there was a, uh, there's actually a website uh, called certificates for deposit, and it uh, like basically goes through the whole. It's contract for uh, differences. It's contract for contract, differences. Not, sorry, not contract, for, yeah. It's sorry. It's, it's, a, a CD is like the most um, boring financial instrument there is, yeah, and this is some I'm, crazy. I'm mind fucking. I'm mind fucking myself. Sorry. It's yeah. Okay. I'm just used to like it's well, garbage. You're not, you're not all hopped up on garbage. caffeinated seltzer water like me. Yeah. Otherwise, it'd be on, <laughs> on point with this stuff. Yeah, exactly. It would be my brain would be way more sharper. It's like uh, in the trash right now. Uh, but with the certificates for deposit, uh, the no, with contracts for differences, uh, it actually is very interesting because they were created in the 1990s, Tim, uh, and they've been flown around. They're actually illegal in the United States, but uh, they're available all around the world, including uh, Canada, Singapore, Australia, a whole bunch of other countries as well. But that's the major countries. I think Japan as well has them available. Uh, for clients and there's a lot of hedge funds that are dabbling in them i think there was like 45 brokers i had never i, I had never even heard of this before no diamond, i yeah diamond hands no. have you heard of this before and this broke no, out oh not until just now and yeah i'm reading this introduction to contracts for differences and uh it says it was created as uh, a way to have your have like a client's money move around markets faster and uh i guess the the thing that makes it a contract for difference is it's like uh it's a cash settled instrument where it just pays out the cash from a buy and a sell it looks like so like instead of like or opposite or opposite apparently or yeah also yeah yeah yeah, it says about using it as an effective way to short markets but uh it's saying that uh, it it just allowed people to participate in more markets, and it it sounds to me like it, it like it was less friction to do it this way than have to like move money around accounts. Like they were, and uh, so they were able to like place their trades faster. Is like what the the big popularity like that's why it grew in popularity is because apparently like being able to trade in like nanosecond flash boys uh with microwaves and stuff isn't fast enough so now we need to we need more 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 and uh you need picoseconds bye 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 uh, I don't know. Do you guys see? The, I've seen a lot of different uh, things with Jamie Demon. I mean, Jamie Diamond of the uh, the uh, 
JP Morgan Chase. And so I did one thing that's really rich for him to say is the fault line is inequality. JP Morgan's diamond calls on fixing America's <laughs> self-inflicted problems. Sorry it says that. many of our citizens are unsettled and the fault line for all of this discord is a fraying American dream. The enormous wealth of our country is accruing to the very few. In other words, the fault line is inequality and its cause is staring us in the face. What are you in a fucking mirror, Jamie Dimon? Our own <laughs> that's hilarious, actually. That, yeah, that's hilarious. Jamie Dimon saying staring us in the face. Yeah. Are you kidding me? He's talking to himself, basically. Yeah, our failure to move beyond our differences and self-interest and act for the greater good. The good news is that this is fixable, Diamond wrote. Then goes on to say that the 65-year-old pointed out that China, the world's largest economy, predicted to be the largest by 2030, views the U.S. in decline in part because of its inequality. Oh, yeah. Like now we've got China lecturing us on our inequality. Yeah. Thanks, China. You know, with all your Uyghur slaves and everything. Oh, there goes. Well, do you know what do you know what inequality is by the first place, Jamie Dimon? It's you bozos, you know, printing oblivious amounts of currency and buying all the assets at near zero interest rates versus the poor peasants that get like 19 percent credit card debts or you know thousand percent uh you know the at the loan, loan sharks, sharks for payday loans <laughs> yeah so you they know, get so that's they get the inequality print, of bozo so they Take get to print money face. out of thin air for nothing <laughs> then get to leverage it yeah. out through fractional reserves and then every time we get bailed out from all their friends who run all the regulatory agencies and then they're the ones who are getting rich off all this and then yeah. he then out of everybody jp morgan when jp i mean this crowd knows and our viewers i almost said readers know that the entire federal reserve was the plan was hatched on jp morgan like the actual jp morgan's private island J, or not island but it was on jekyll island georgia we're at their private clubhouse estate which i did a whole video on this you guys can go check out on the youtube channel or don't check it out there actually check it out on you know timandjohnshow.com which actually technically that would be the libertyadvisor.com because john was in that one and actually there was a guest appearance by uh mr g Ever griffin in that one this as well when i was literally you know walking talk and all of a sudden i'm like <laughs> i'm wondering if this is where the room with the federal reserve was hatched and all of a sudden i go outside and then g Ever griffin's there and he confirmed that that was the room anyways Point being is that JP Morgan, like the actual JP Morgan, was the one who basically set up the whole Federal Reserve System, which was the high tech economic slavery that we're all living underneath now. Oh, but don't worry because they have, you know, they participate in, you know, pride parades and have, you know, rainbows and all this other stuff, even though that they're the ones who are basically. Well, and then you see, then you know, even the, when Biden, yeah. what was it when Biden had all this stupid, you know, uh, you know, I guess Biden's stupid and, you know, it's, you know, many things come to mind there, but you know, when they had his whole, like, uh, like in Delaware, he had like this whole like command center with all the Jeeps and stuff. And they had a big JP Morgan chase sign behind them. Like how <laughs> fitting is that, that, you know, Biden, like his whole, like, uh, you know, headquarters when they're trying to see like who's winning between him and Trump that he's got JP Morgan chase behind him in the background sponsored by because, JP. Yeah. Huh? Cause they are the ones who are basically part and parcel responsible for more economic inequality than anybody besides maybe the federal reserve that they created and well, the, the fed Yellow is State. creating that but then the commercial banks are just like leveraging that to the, the to the hills you know the they're yeah. the ones even forwarding you know by well far. then he goes on to say the chinese see in america that it's losing ground in technology infrastructure and education a nation torn and crippled by politics as well as racial and income inequality it's crippled by banks why, 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 
Why doesn't Diamond just step down and this, just have some black <laughs> tranny go run J.P. Morgan Chase? If if if, J, if J.P. Morgan want, I mean, I don't know. I got a sixty-five year old white guy over there. Why don't they put? You know, I don't see a black woman hey, running. Well, 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 Black Fund. Hey, you gotta you gotta give Black Fund credits. You know, he was smart. He got out. He exited before shit hits the fan. I think I think uh, Jamie Diamond is too cocky to actually like want to quit before he goes down. You know, before the pitch first comes for him. I think well, then, still be then, blank like, fine, then blank fine got yeah. replaced by you know DJ Saul, which is blank fine was the former uh, well Solomon. You know, like think about the name Solomon. Solomon Brothers is one of, used to be one of the biggest backs in the United States. He comes from King, the family. King Solomon, like, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. like this, yeah. It's like the, these these guys have been around, like Morgan and all that. Uh, all these guys have been around for forever in the banking system, running the banks in the United States, right? So they they've been around, and uh, and what do you got to understand? Like this is not the first time, you know. These morons, these PhDs that are out there, like believing that they, you know, can like make the system so great, and they uh, they said that we're gonna fight inequality. Meanwhile, they're the scumbags actually creating pure inequality from their actions. Uh, and and you gotta laugh at them because they don't seem to understand history at all, or they just know it and they're just blatantly ignoring it because they've becoming extremely rich from their behavior of printing currency out of thin air and buying assets everywhere. Uh, so it could be either deeper, or. Because right? America is getting deeper yeah. and deeper into debt, so that basically these ultra, you know, I don't want to call them elite, but parasites are getting the richest, and they're like, oh, we don't know why. You know, 30% of people can't even come up with $400 and that we need to do something about it. Who's we? How much money is JP Morgan going to put into this? We, as in, yeah. you know, the, we're all going to get deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. And basically, well, think about it. Thrive and prosper off this while then they get to go gallivant around, you know, talking about how charitable they are when, the, when these guys are the biggest scumbag parasites like on earth. And then, I mean, yeah. I'm even seeing now, and then there's another, uh, you know, Jamie Demon article over here from CNBS. And what they're saying is Jamie Dimon says economic boom fueled by deficit spending and vaccines Woo! easily run into 2023. And John, do you remember when, when you were at, we were at Ernie's house and we're doing that one video by the pool. And the one video that, uh, idea that I came up with was uh, the case for no more recessions ever. And basically oh, yeah, yeah. the entire premise <laughs> yeah. of that, which I do how so maybe if, if uh Diamond has to go back to find that one to put into the show notes, if you want to write that down for the show notes to uh find the uh, no more recessions ever video. And basically in that video, what the case that I made was imagine if you uh you know you could have a, a very bad economic downturn. However, if you then go and decide to spend $5 trillion and now the GDP is higher and if the definition of a recession is you need to have two negative quarters of GDP growth, but then you then just artificially boom the GDP because you go yeah. and spend $4 trillion you don't have, then the GDP well, will then be positive and you could actually Japan. stave yeah. off having a, a very bad technical recession by the actual definition while the actual economy is in complete shambles well guess what that that didn't take very fucking long to basically have that situation occur when when, when were you in in phoenix was that like september well, that was in december 2019 tim so yeah, yeah. it was so yeah. we're talking uh you know basically you know uh you know a few months later like what like four or five oh, yeah. months yeah later? it was very fast like it came to fruition very quickly yeah four or five like, months later march. Like, exact yeah, march was came to the bottom right yeah yeah because we do not have an economic yeah. boom and the thing is you can't say you have an economic boom funded by deficit spending so like saying like oh i'm having a great fucking time over here <laughs> you know driving around ferraris and lambos but meanwhile i'm five hundred thousand dollars in debt and have a credit card all the way up to my eyeballs because i'm on this i'm on a binge spending credit card bender that i can't afford like that's basically what they're saying here is that jamie diamond says there's gonna be an economic boom 
fueled by deficit spending. So it's going to be a boom for the people where all the crony capitalist money goes into. And so a lot of my investment thesis has been, you know, hey, where is this crony capital money going into and trying to pick those sectors? Obviously, you know, you know, notwithstanding, you know, gold and silver and crypto and things like that. But, uh, you know, but there's other areas where it's there's a lot of crony capitalist well, I do money going. want to play going. off of that if you can, yeah. 100%. And that's why they and that's why the election is such a big deal because I forgot who said it, but basically an election is just an advanced auction of stolen goods. And so when you're at yeah. the helm, you know, and then you get to, I mean, I forgot what Biden's new infrastructure deal even is it's like one point is four trillion now three trillion well, that's right yeah uh, it's, it's like he's all over the place and then I they want to and then what's the infrastructure spending going to oh building roads but then they hate oil no 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 wait, wait. listen well no i i know what that's yeah. a, that was a rhetorical question i know what it's going to i read it but, okay. you know, but, one, of the, <laughs> yeah. but one of the things it's going to because they hate oil but yet like the biggest component of building a fucking road is basically oil and petroleum. And so I was buying my clients oil stuff stocks, you know, when all the July or January 6th siege was going on because they hate oil, but yet at the same time they want to have, they want to build new roads and you need oil to build roads, which is, you know, just, you well, know. you know what, uh, you know what the infrastructure bill is. It was actually a very good uh, observation by Robert Kiyosaki. I listened to a video that I did recently, like just a couple of days ago. And see, he said that it's basically like they're building bridges to the future, you know, through their Bolshevik uh, system where they're going to have like just full centralization and control over energy and infrastructure. That's what they're doing. Like they're building that bridge. He said the bridge to the future or bridge to nowhere. <laughs> we can also call it. We actually have one of those in, in Manitoba here. It's like literally a bridge that was just built to spend uh, spend money by the government. So we do have one of those insane and actually here the government just, uh, uh, you know, put out their budget and uh, usually like they were trying to do a surplus uh, and they're going one point two billion dollars in deficits right now. Uh, just to give that in comparison, you know, a three hundred million dollar deficit is insane here. Uh, so like it doesn't sound like much compared to the United States, but uh, again, you know, the, these deficits, like all of the uh, idiots around the world, all the politicians, everybody's running deficits because uh, that's the new, you know, cool thing to do is uh, for the government to boost GDP by basically like having to spend money into existence. The thing is, like with GDP today, you know, what are we measuring as GDP? For example, let's take a take a look at the United States. You know, like going and bombing, uh, you know, uh, people over in the Middle East. It's a boost of the GDP. Uh, mass amounts of sick people is G, you know, good is GDP, right? Like, so what is really good GDP? Spending more on healthcare more? increases yeah. GDP. Spending more on your yeah. kids, you know, indoctrination, going to school. That's more, but is the average person better because they're spending more in healthcare, spending more in education, spending more in gasoline, spending more in food, spending more to build homes? Spending well, look more at like kids. back in the day, like my, my father in law here, you know, was telling the story. He had like three daughters, right? And uh, he had, uh, you know, no problem working a full time job, having his wife at home with the kids. Like you can't go there today. Like, good luck with that unless you make it. Uh, did it help his GDP money? that he had to pay yeah. for three weddings? You know, with having three daughters. <laughs> no, I've but got, I've got two, so I'll be I'll be there soon enough. <laughs> no, but anyways, anyways, it's like you literally like uh, what this money printing has done. That is the inequality in itself. Like it's just the currency printing in itself that creates inequality. Uh, it's really, you will have like some, you know, if you had a total free market, you'll have people that will do less and people that will do more because you have motivated people and non-motivated people. It's just natural. Uh, so you will have that. Uh, but, you know, with this system, 
is because like all the like it's an interest rate apartheid as Max Kaiser says you know like you got the guys sitting over here Buffett and the boys right and Bessos like they're sitting at borrowing like at zero negative interest rates meanwhile you know peasants you know uh, are not financially educated so they go out and not even borrow money to you know invest they borrow money to spend on things that will lose value or things that are totally useless like vacations and so on right so uh, it's like it's it's totally destructive the whole system uh, but, you know, like we, we let this happen over time. That always happens. So what's interesting, Tim, you, we could look back like a thousand years. This is interesting. I read, you know, the history of the Chinese empires, 1024, the Song dynasty created the first paper currency in the world. They backed it by 30% of uh, physical coinage. So copper coinage, I think it was at the time. Well, over time, they decided to start, you know, borrowing money and uh, lend it to people. And it had a, they called it the Chinese miracle. 10, 12, we were talking about in the mid 10, what is that, the 900th century or 1000th century? I, 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 I have no idea. how you would say that, but yeah. Then, Anyways, boom, but it's way back. Like it's, well, and, and you go up to the point where they hit peak debt and then you got to collapse like about like uh, basically like I think it was like 85 years into the, the to the whole fun, you know, they hit peak debt and you can't borrow uh, enough money to any more any more people. So everybody's just debt saturated. There's no more people to play around with. And so you had to collapse because. Uh, there was nothing left, but then the government just printed more and created more of these notes, right, into circulation. So it's just like it happens all the time. Even with the first darn paper uh, fiat currency empire, it happened. So why why is it not going to happen every single time that they try to do this? It will. Uh, but you know the the leads, you know, they only get like 90 years of what what is it back to like it's uh, uh, oh, so it's 110 years now almost, right, Tim? Uh, back to the Federal Reserve, like 118 yeah. uh, years back, like a little bit less, but December 23rd, 118 years since yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, so they only got taught that. And they seem to be like, either they're just totally stupid when it comes to like, uh, they haven't picked up any history books. On and they were not and allowed to go purchase yeah. their own debt back then. And they were certainly not allowed to go buy corporate debt, certainly not allowed to monetize their debt. I mean, what they were doing last year was illegal. You've got Janet Yellen, you know, running around, you know, talking about having this global minimum tax. And so now, you know, well, tip, about- yeah. So talking about that, let me, let me talk about that because I'm, I'm actually looked into that a long time. Me and Josh, we did a video like, holy smokes, this is like almost four something, five years ago. Uh, but we did a video where the e, uh, OECD was uh, working on a kind of global tax type of uh, corporation group. Uh, and they hadn't named it even at that time. But then a little bit later, uh, I think it was, uh, what is the death of money that, uh, what's his name? Um, James Rickards came you out know, with. I had, and at, there, Easter, at Easter, yeah, I had like yeah. a 65-year-old lady who I'd never met before who brought up the, the book. And she didn't like know what it was called. And she was reading it. And she's like, this guy. And she was and I'm like, James Rickards? She's like, yes, I'm reading his book, Death and Money. But it was like this 65-year-old that knew like nothing. That yeah. didn't, wasn't in this world at all. It was somehow reading the death of money and like I had yeah. never met her before. So, and yeah, so anyways, going back from that, right. So uh, me and Josh discovered that what we talked about back then before anybody was talking about it, uh, we were talking about also that we thought that the Panama Papers was a false flag uh, to lure people into this tax entity. And sure enough, like right after you have base erosion and profit shifting, look it up, you know, it's a, 
the OECD that runs it, it has like a hundred and something signatories right now. The US is not a signatory yet, by the way, guys. Uh, Canada is, uh, but they are looking at like basically sharing tax data uh, uh, between all these countries, Tim. And that's what that is all about. I just wanted to make, make that point. What uh, Jan Yellen is talking about is base erosion and profit shifting. Canada implemented into their budget back in 2015, by the way. Uh, so like Canada is all in, you know, we bought in, we're going to share all the tax data with every country in the world. Uh, so they're, they're totally commies. Uh, and uh, that's what the, she really is talking about, I think, anyways. Yeah, and what I was going to say, you know, going back to the Federal Reserve before I lost my train of thought because I was talking about how I didn't have anything written down. Well, it was, uh, you know, sometimes it comes back to bite me in the ass. But for this time, it was uh, George Gannon or Gammon, and I forgot the other guy's name, uh, Robert Barnes, and they were suing the Federal Reserve. We've had people ask me about oh, this. Yeah, yeah, you guys so. told me about that. And you know what? I'm not really putting any stock into that. Oh, we're going to sue the Federal Reserve. And so yeah, I know. Sue a bunch of criminals. <laughs> And a bunch of criminals are going to give you the data that you need. And then like people thinking like, oh, you can audit the Federal Reserve. Where the fuck was not necessarily George Gammon. He seems like a, an OK guy. But the other guy, Robert Barnes, because I remember him basically, you know, sucking off Trump the entire time he was in there. Didn't say one effing word about the Federal Reserve the entire time. And now this is all I think there's a big money grab for Robert Barnes. And obviously with George Gammon. Oh, it might be, yeah. Rose in 20,000 or 25,000, and that's going to give him probably millions of, you know, of publicity. I should say free publicity. But, you know, it's all big stunt because guess what? Why didn't you do it when, when you had Trump in there and you had, you know, your own person in there? Just now it's a big thing that now all the Democrats are in there. But, okay, great. You know, when I was 22 years old, it seemed like a pretty fucking good idea to go out at the Federal Reserve when I didn't know anything. <laughs> but guess what? I'm not 22 years old anymore. I've been around the block. I know. Sorry, Arthur Diamond Hands. not sure if you're 22. But anyways, nothing against 22-year-olds. But the point of the is we're in a different world where yeah back then in 2010 it seemed like it was a great idea to audit the federal reserve or 2008 but guess what oh we're going to audit them what are they going to do give you their bullshit data are they going to give you a different set of books do you think they're honestly going to tell you what they're going to do or they could tell you they could literally be on c-span through a uh, hearing where that one guy you know i forgot his name uh alan uh, not alan greenspan like alan Alan Keyes, I think his name was, something like that, where he was, you know, grilling them and they had the inspector general, the Fed out there and saying that they were missing. They couldn't account for like six trillion dollars or nine trillion. It was some staggering number. And they could just be out there on C-SPAN like, yep, we're the inspector general, of the Fed. And we don't know what we did with nine trillion dollars. And nobody cared. And so what? They're going to be out there and you can be out there saying, hey, we're funding Saudi Arabia doing this and and running illegal scams of that and dropping gold uh, into the Iraqi airlift of evil and doing this and that and the other thing. And no one is going to care. And they're probably not even giving the real data. And the whole thing is it should be, it's about ending the Federal Reserve, ignoring the Federal Reserve, creating a whole other system. And so all this does is keep people in this like little merry-go-round loop-de-loop of fear. So yeah, I'm glad somebody's out there suing the Federal Reserve. But I guess it's all, I think it's just a big publicity stunt to help you know enrich these two guys and i don't really yeah. think it's actually going to do anything and i think it just then gets everybody in that mindset like oh i can just sit back and do nothing because someone's gonna gonna you know go after the federal reserve and and you know it's just i think it's all just a self-serving bullshit and i don't really you know put any stock into it and if robert burns was really serious he would have fucking done something when trump was in office instead of sucking him off the entire time he was in there with him and alex jones so that guy he's alex jones personal lawyer and was basically did jack shit the entire time about the oh okay here we go okay i get it <laughs> interesting <laughs> what, what, sorry what, buddy what, yeah what, that's uh what would you get i didn't yeah. i did not know it was alex joseph's personal lawyer sorry yeah, uh, no, so that's how that's where i know him from is that he was always on alex's show 
uh, every, you know, when I would spot check it every now and then, cause you know, there's a, there is still a lot of stuff that does come out from Alex every now and then if you get through all the, I mean, I don't listen to him anymore. It's, it's like way too much BS and, uh, you know, his way, you know, became like the Trump 24 seven show, but it's just, I don't put any stock into this whatsoever because, Oh, we're going to hold our hats on a, a, an actual, uh, you know, we're going to sue them and we're going to win. Like, like, did you not realize what happened with this whole, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Like when you're in their corrupt courts and their corrupt system with their corrupt judges and their corrupt playing field with their corrupt money. And you're going to, you know, it's just, it's not going to work. So Rob Burns <laughs> is going to end up with a whole bunch of money from, you know, suing the federal reserve and, and getting a whole bunch of publicity and being there with his nice sure Mike and his nice fancy bow tie and everything, or I don't know where's bow ties and, you know, looking all proper, but guess what? It's not going to go anywhere. It's all a distraction. It's a big waste of time. And everyone that's talking about it, you're just wasting your time. You might as well be. Well, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no. And so guess what? Yeah, when I was 22 and didn't know anything and I didn't, and people were, and I was just starting to wake up about the Federal Reserve. I was a big audit the Fed guy. And then even I think up until 2016, I was telling Ernie about audit the Fed and his, his, his eyes was rolling in the back of the head. And <laughs> yeah. Then it became like even ending the Fed. Like, I don't care about yeah. it. The Fed's going to end themselves. Like, why am oh, I yeah, going to waste my time to go end that? Yeah. It should be spreading the knowledge about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, which I guess now, uh, you know, I did see some ads where Alex was promoting Bitcoin because he's on to Max Kaiser's, uh, you know, got them all into Bitcoin and now, uh, you know, is on like promoting the swan Bitcoin type stuff. So what you got pulled us pulled up for us but now, John? We're talking about the, how the Fed is going to end itself, Tim. Here we go. <laughs> uh, remember you were sending me an article i think it was a zero well, do you want to let the people Actually, the people who are listening at, at, at home uh knowing what, what we're looking at right now so if they're listening yeah to so podcast... uh, just before we're actually looking at that chart so tim sent me an article uh the dollar share of global reserve tumbles to low since 1995 as yuan uh hits all-time high that's basically what tim was sending me it's uh, the new imf report and I actually, so I did data. I pulled all the data that IMF had through history. This is actually a paid report that I have called uh, uh, Global uh, Risk Report 2020 or something. I did it in 2019, uh, but it's it's pretty much like uh, like a good thing to even get now. Uh, but this is interesting. So back in the 80s, though, to, like look at this, like when the real big hits to the dollar comes. It basically comes when uh you know you have the financial crisis right like it was uh, back in the 80s so the end of you know like the back end of when silver and gold hit the record highs basically well the silver just you know went through the roof and also gold hit the record high at the time uh you could see here it was all the way down at 47.14 percent was actually the the you know the control of it uh but you had actually the deutsche mark uh still in in play back in the day so um, and, and you also had, uh, it was interesting, the euro uh, was there, but the, the Germany had still not joined the European Union. Uh, so like yeah, the actual, sorry, not the European Union, they joined the Eurozone. So the actual, <laughs> there's Yoshi. Uh, so join the zone. Uh, but what's, what is interesting here, so suddenly, you know, the US uh, right after, you know, they, uh, they got, you know, fixed that, sorted that out and they were back on track again. You know, dollar was very strong, as it shows there. You know, it's 1995, right? It said in the report, it was 71.13% uh, of global trade, which is, you know, substantial. That's over uh, three third, uh, three quarter of the uh, the whole like global economy uh, of, of trade. But uh, then back it, this is only goes back to 2017. 
And in 2017, it was at 61.74. Now, uh, this article there, Tim, I didn't look quite at the, what's the number? Like, does it show the number at all? Like what it is currently? Yeah, here we go. So it's like actually below 60% right now. Like it's, uh, what is this? Like probably like 50. And what did it peak, what did it peak uh, out on there? It's hard for me to read that. Oh, here it's 72%. Uh, yeah. So it was peaking out at 72. So if we go back to my report, hold on here. Uh, you could actually see that it peaked out at, uh, what was it, 72? Yeah, so back in the 90s, right? Like, it, it peaked out mm -hmm. at, like, 71, right? So uh, it, it's very interesting. Like, the, the U.S. is slowly, like, losing its luster again. It's back towards that time. Like, actually, in the 60s, you know, before they actually devalued, you know, look at 70s there, Tim. It was 84. But as soon as they devalued, people started to look for you know like the dollar is garbage basically back in the in the early 70s right so you could see it dropped severely to one of its lowest and then at the worst it was all the way down to 47.14 uh but now of course it's uh uh, but it, now it's slowly making its way back down in the like it's in the 50s right now like 59 something right and uh so it's definitely losing a lot of luster and uh, it's almost down to 50% of the global economic trade. So it's really severely reduced from, you know, the peak of 72% Tim, uh, which is just a showing of, of times, you know, you could see kind of the trend going downwards there. It was a little bit uh, worse back, you know, like in the aftermath of the financial crisis, but now we haven't really like, they, they papered over everything, but I think we'll see like some, serious crisis in the US dollar like coming in the next 10 years I think there there might be something else being a world reserve currency it was funny in 20 I think it was 2014 I wrote an article uh, if it was going to be the IMF SDR or a Bitcoin that was going to be the new world reserve currency what, what you know, do you guys think that, that's that? a perfect that's a perfect segue to uh, Peter Thiel a lot of you probably know who Peter Thiel was is uh, you know he's a Bilderberg member but also was on, was yeah. on uh, Facebook's board is on was uh, one of the PayPal co-founders, I believe, as well. And so let me make sure I share the sound. This is from a recent like Nixon seminar. I had it for. You got uh, your sexy voice going there. You're like your yeah. sexy manly voice right now too. <laughs> yeah, speaking of sound. Uh, what Sorry, is I'm going... just making fun of you, Tim. Is it st is it still doing the sexy voice? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I tried sharing the clip, and of, of course, you know, I've got my. Is it still doing this? I think you should just go with it, Tim. You just keep on going here. It's uh, it's uh, it's uh, good times. You know, the ladies will love it. Did Yoshi well, bump something? Well, Yoshi just ran out of the room, so. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm gonna screw up my dad's. All right, all right, all right. Okay, okay. My gigabyte internet connections decided it would finally work now. So, so here we go. Oh, that's fine. Let, let, let's let's like go out of here. Let's see what this uh... currency because it gives us you know a lot of leverage over you know Iranian oil supply chains and all sorts of things like that. Um, they like uh, they don't want the renminbi to become a reserve currency because then you have to open your capital account and you have to do all sorts of things that they they really don't want to do. Um, you know I think the euro you could think of as you know was in part a Chinese weapon against the dollar. Didn't in the last decade hasn't quite worked out that way, but that was. You know, China would have liked to see two reserve currencies like like the euro, and uh, you know, even though I'm sort of a pro crypto, pro Bitcoin maximalist person, I I do wonder whether at this point Bitcoin is also uh, should also be thought in part of as a Chinese uh, financial weapon against the U.S., where it's it is it threatens fiat money. 
but it especially threatens the uh, the U.S. Uh, dollar, and um, and China wants to do things to weaken it. So it's sort of China is long Bitcoin, and perhaps from a geopolitical perspective, uh, the U.S. should be a little bit uh, be asking some tougher questions about exactly how that works. But I, I, some some internal stable coin in China, that, I mean that's not that's not a real cryptocurrency. That's just a you know, that's just some sort of totalitarian measuring device. And totalitarian. <laughs> I like, I like, yeah, and that's what central bank digital currencies is. Thank you, Peter Thiel. I like that uh, <laughs> at the end there. Is, is my voice still all messed up over here? Yes, it uh, is. It's fine. Just I, might need to, I, might, I might try <laughs> to just disconnect my mic and go back on next time you guys are talking. But anyways, yeah, with, with Peter Thiel, uh, you know, how about you guys, uh, John, you make some comments on this and then I'll try to fix my mic. Yeah, no, for sure. P Peter Thiel, you know, he was, he was actually confronted. Uh, who was it that confronted him now? It was uh, my buddy, Dan Dix, that went uh, to the Bilderberg, like one of the latest that you could actually travel. And uh, Peter Thiel was there, you know, hanging out with the elites and uh, just talking it out. He's, you know, a total elitist and uh he's you know totally pro the united states empire because it's a massive part of it uh with with his own empire you know that he has is one of the richest guys in the world uh so he doesn't want to give up what the united states has of power uh as a reserve currency because it would be devastating to you know not have that power to uh, extort people and uh, destroy people's livelihoods and countries and you know sanction uh, countries as well. Uh, yeah, Harry, this is interesting, Ted. So, so this is a thing, though. I, I want to have uh, maybe Arthur Diamond's hands thoughts on this because he's a little bit more into. Well, first, well, first explain what it is. There, yeah. First, explain what it is for people yeah. who are listening and don't know what we're looking at right now. Yeah. So what we're seeing here is actually what's called the hash rate. So that's the the total. Uh, uh, the total actually. <laughs> <laughs> the total uh the total processing power of, of uh, crypto but the thing is here tim and, and maybe uh, arthur could give us some insights on it what my thoughts are because there's a lot of mining pools that are based out of china it doesn't mean like they are also owned a lot of times uh by other miners that are part of these pools uh, is that correct, uh, Arthur? Like, am I correct to say that it's not necessarily just China, you know, these big mining pools, or is that China. totally wrong? Um, yeah, when you say China, you mean like state China. Yeah, like, that's what they mean anyway, yeah. Yeah, um, I, they could be, but I don't think that's the whole truth. I I think they're the... Like it, it's a mining pool. Anyone can sign yeah, exactly. on and commit their hash power. Because I, I hear this argument made quite a bit, and um, I just don't think it's that simple just to look at the graph and say, oh, well, China's got 65% of the hash power. I'm hearing that they have like a lot of heavy capital controls, and one way of getting money or value outside of the country is to mine. Uh, and like if they're yeah, restricting 100%. exchanges and restricting access, that's a way like that's how they're able to do it in China. If they're an oppressed person and they're they're trying to, you know, have a little bit outside of Chinese control that they can mine and get the a few Satoshis that the, the pool pays them. So, uh, 
you know, how, how much of it is that, you know, I, I look at that as a good thing that, that those are citizens, oppressed citizens that are trying to escape their nation's capital controls. And someone's mistakenly trying to say that that's China controlling all the hash power. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's something to look into. Yeah, no, I you think it's what? a great, I think it's a great yeah. observation. And also is my yeah. mic still messed up? I don't know. You're good. No, actually okay. you're good now. Yeah, you're good. Now. I, I like disconnected it and reconnected it, but okay. It's funny how that, well, uh, how that actually, works. But, yeah, actually, I wanted to share this too. Uh, just sorry, Tim, to interrupt you there, but this is what he's talking about there. As you can see, there's different mining pools, but as he says, you know, and, and I've been saying this as well, I totally agree with you actually. Uh, because you could uh, join with a miner, you know, one of my buddies, he mines in one of these pools. Uh, so he's a part of that, but his miner is in Ottawa, Canada, right? So it's not necessarily in China. It's a Chinese mining pool, uh, but that's so, so it's very distorted the way they're trying to, pro uh, you know, uh, project it. That's just my point of view. I might be wrong, but I don't totally think i am i think we're on to something here with you know what we just said we're talking about our tim so go ahead speaking of miners now we're gonna talk about matt gates no, just, just kidding but uh anyways <laughs> with with the hash distribution or with the hat i mean it, it like you were saying it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like the state of china doing it, it could be oh, chinese 100%. citizens or it could be people in america who are just in pools that are based out of china and also yeah because the, the bigger the pool the the faster you could get bitcoins basically. And, and if, well, I, yeah. I have another question for so what what can they do with it? Uh, like adding hash to the network, it's just, you're just providing more hashes. Uh, well, you're increasing the likelihood of you winning the next block. So, I mean, it's just sort of like who's ever got the, you know, the biggest. But also the, the algorithm though, uh, Arthur, like the algorithm will actually like change the difficulty though. The more sure, hashing power, right. the less hashing power, like it adapts. Every, so every two weeks. As, like it's right. not that easy. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so I'm saying it's working perfectly as intended. It's it's not a problem. Yeah. Like that's that's like, what what's the concern that it, that all this hash is coming out of China or it, it's being well, reported? Well, the concern is that if you're a globalist based out of America, relying on the U.S. hegemony of being able to weaponize the dollar and the SWIFT system against you know your adversaries, and all of a sudden, if other yeah if something supplants the US dollar, not if, but when it supplants the US dollar, I mean, you can go to page 74 of Klaus Schwab's book called The Fate of the US Dollar or in that in that Great Reset book, where it actually then goes on to say that basically the dollar being able to be the world reserve currency is an exorbitant privilege and basically and they use that in quotes and right. eventually that system is going to end. And the other thing is like, if let's say it caught, I don't know what, I'm just making this up right now, but like back in, at one point back in 20. Uh, early 2018, late 2017. I mean, there was a tiny brief period where, you know, let's say it cost, uh, you know, $19,000 to mine a Bitcoin that you'd get for 17,000. So you could buy it in the open market for 17. It would cost 18 or 19 to mine it. So why would you do that? Well, if you're in China and you don't care about, and every time I say China, I feel like saying like Trump's China. So every time you're in China and you realize that, uh, you know, if you're willing to lose $2,000 of Bitcoin because you're able to then get your money you know, in, in an unconfiscatable form to then be able to get it potentially out of the country and be able to move it and do other things with it. And so if you're willing to then mine at a loss, there's people in America who don't want to mine at a loss. And also there's more environmental regulations going on in America. So if you do mining over in China, it could be American people that could be funding people in China to go mine over there 
where there's not any environmental regulations. So that's where all these, you know, Kyoto protocols and Paris climate change agreements where it's like, oh, China gets to keep doubling their, all their shit until 2060. And the rest of us need to just go on complete clampdown when China's, you know, the one that's, you know, increasing their pollution and stuff more than anybody. Not to sound like some greenie, because obviously anyone that's been listening to the show for any substantial period of time knows that's not the case. But, but the thing, and actually, you know what, I'm not even going to say that because, you know, a lot of us live way more sustainable lifestyles than a lot of the people who are the so-called, you know, green, green people where, you know, all my friends are trying to create homesteads, trying to, you know, be sustainable, trying to go off grid, trying to, you know, collect rainwater, trying to do like solar power. And it's all the assholes that think that we're like the devil who are sitting in their high rises in New York city, polluting more than anybody. Sorry, that's a whole nother, whole nother topic that I didn't mean to really get into. But, uh, but yeah, I think what Peter Thiel is also saying, and the article goes on to say is that the US should be buying Bitcoin, because guess what, you know, if China, I'm sure China does have some, the state of China probably has some, you know, interest in this, they probably have Bitcoin themselves, whereas America, you know, we're a bunch of fucking that went and up oh, yeah. probably, need to, well, go. The, probably, the, probably the, need to go edit that part out for the YouTube part. But yeah. we're a bunch of idiots yeah, that yeah. want to, uh, oh, let's go, let's go auction off Ross Ulbricht's Bitcoin for you know, whatever it was way back when, which would have been, you know, multi, I mean, I'm sure, uh, you know, Tim Draper's very happy that they decided to auction all that stuff off because, you know, we're the idiots going and selling off like the, basically the one of the most valuable assets you could possibly have while China, I'm sure is probably, I shouldn't say I'm sure I'm not, I'm not sure, but you know, I have an inkling that they're probably going and acquiring lots of Bitcoin. And, and the article also goes on to say, and Peter Thiel sort of mentions this, that they don't want, China doesn't want to start to be the world reserve currency because there is something called uh, Tiffin's Dilemma, or maybe it's Triffin's Dilemma. Triffin's uh, Dilemma. So, so Robert Triffin was an economist back, which I can't even believe I even remember this stuff, back in the 40s, who I th believe was uh, theorizing that whoever is the world reserve currency has to create enough basically deficits to be able to have enough liquidity in the system but then eventually those deficits would eventually create such problems well they spend the it they ship, they ship their currency yeah. outwards right tim that's basically what it is you got to remember like back in even in the early u.s history virginia did a similar thing what the united states have done now where they actually got all the shipping over from uh europe and then they actually spread their uh currency at the time i forgot what it was called but all over the u.s but at one point Everybody said like, well, you created so much of it now that it's even worthless where we are. Uh, so like it was the same uh, kind of U.S. principle that the U.S. have done now with shipping their currency overseas. Uh, you get to the point where you also will have inflation and uh, like you will see the physical devaluation quite heavily in overseas as well. And I think that's where we're at. Tim. Was that called like the the company script or something? I don't know if it was. Uh, if we're talking about like the Virginia. Company I have I have a book that I have it in. Like it's the world, like the history of all of fiat paper money. Uh, but it was very interesting and and compelling history because it kind of tells like where the United States is now. I think it was back in the 1800s, uh, early 1800s or late uh, 1700s, like after you know the uh, U.S. got their uh freedom you know the uh, yeah but, but one of the things that going on to like what, what peter Thiel was saying is that they actually i mean china now has you know basically effectively sort of rolled out their digital currency and you know about to go roll it out completely and you know and it's important to note this is not 
digital yuan is not peer-to-peer currency, but rather requires use of officially regulated financial intermediation. The digital yuan does not have a market-based valuation where it's independent of the old version of the currency. They're basically, it's tied together. Digital yuan does not have an algorithmic protocol dictating the production of new assets. Uh, you know, basically it's all command and control and, and like, Hey, guess what? You weren't smiling when G was on TV and you weren't, you know, Sieg Heiling enough, uh, you That's know, a part the of the government. social so boom, we're gonna, credit system. Yeah. Like we're going to go and we're going to cut you off. And Peter Thiel was correct, you know, calling it a, uh, you know, totalitarian measuring device, but, you know, we do see some people, you know, GOP lawmakers, uh, that are saying that urges architects of the digital dollar. Now they're talking about the U.S. We're switching from the yuan to the uh, you know USSA digital dollar here to consider risk to civil liberties, and you know, and everyone can see. You know, I mean, let's just say everyone, because unfortunately most people can't see this. All the people that we know and follow us and are listening to this right now and watching this know that this is a system that's going to be used against us, and that you know what they want to do is they want to catch terrorists and money launderers and tax evaders. But no, that's no, it's not what they want to do. They want to. That's what they say they want to do. But what they really want to do is, is you know, get people to self-censor, to not say anything. If they know that saying something, get their money taken away. If they know that, hey, everything is digital. And so now we're going to stop even telling you what the M1 is. And we're going to go and we're going to go and have negative interest rates. Or we're not going to have negative interest rates, but we're going to have, you know, we're going to pay you 0.02% in a savings account. But then we're going to have 10% inflation. And by the way, we have you by the balls because, you know, you can't get out. And if you go and you try to get out through gold or silver or crypto, we're going to know that you did it. And they basically already know now anyways, but, uh, but there is, you know, at least a tiny semblance of, you know, sort of escape hatch. And so once they get everybody on the U S digital dollar, there is going to be no more escape hatch. In my opinion, that's when, you know, things like certain privacy coins are at that point going to go skyrocketing. Cause you're not gonna be able to get them. Uh, initially you'll probably see, you know, maybe even Bitcoin even go down because of all this, but then eventually if it's harder to get and people want it and there's a clamp down, then it could go up. And so there's a part of me that thinks that maybe Bitcoin was rolled out by the elite to then make it seem sexy and cool. And then all of a sudden, you know, push this digital dollar. But at the same point, maybe Bitcoin got, got away from them, you know, because there is some evidence to suggest that maybe it was the NSA. You know, there is that white paper that they did in 1997 called something like electronic cat. I mean, it's very similar to the Satoshi white paper. If anyone that goes back and actually reads that. And uh, yeah, it's just that I mean, if there's one thing that I could possibly warn against, if I could pick one thing, it would be central bank digital currencies, digital dollar, and having all of your cash to the point where it's digital. Because, you know, I, I've heard people even say we don't know any better, like, oh, yeah, I can't wait till everything is digital and I don't need to carry around any money anymore. Well, it's going to be great. Well, I mean, Josh have been talking, like I talked about that since 2015, basically. I was all over it because, uh, what's his name? Ken Rogoff came out with a book, The Curse of Cash, where he basically talked about how we're going to go into digital. But what is more important that people not talk about a lot is why are we moving towards the digital currency? So of course, because there's crappy, coronavirus on but, our cash, Josh, or not Josh, but John, of course. Well, that actually, that <laughs> is, that is a chapter in the book. It's a chapter in the book, Tim, Curse of Cash. You'll see a chapter on it being germ-filled, scum, cur- you know, uh, the physical currency. But what is the major reason? There's two major reasons for why they want to go cashless. One is tax collection. And then the second one is to go negative interest rates to try to manipulate the current system from completely failing. If they can't go, you know, too much negative, but they need the, the they need the central bank digital currency and they need uh, to have people in the digital straw, uh, basically uh, prison 
uh, or else people could fled to to crypto, to gold, to uh, cash that they did in, in Switzerland when they went uh, to the negative, right? But they are looking at, like, this is insane, Tim. In that book, he was talking about negative 5 to negative 10% interest rate. Well, like this, you don't even have to necessarily go negative. Chief economist for the IMF. The thing is, that's more of a in your face, and you know, people at that point would know it. And, well, it's a tax. On but the thing is, if you but if you have a, yeah. it's easier for them to you know pay the slaves one percent and then inflate it by ten percent, and you lose nine percent rather than them have a negative nine percent. So that's the more stealth version of that. And uh, there was a zero edge article I just saw where it's from today, where it's talking about treasury, the twenty year treasury bond surge. And it's basically saying that something that the Fed, one of their announcements made it sound like they're going to start buying 20 year treasury bonds. Like there's, and they, they have been like, already. Yeah. Let me just break that news. Like, I sure, I think we broke it like way back. They've been buying <laughs> 20 and 30 year bonds for a while in outright purchase. Well, they didn't have so 20 year bonds until recently. That's just pure yeah, bullshit. So. Well, this is like, Tim, remember back when they did the repo, whole repo thing? I broke with uh, Ernie. I went on a show and we talked about their current outright purchases because they were doing damn treasury purchases at the time. They were actually doing it while they were doing the term repos and the repos. They actually were doing QE way before, way before. Like these scumbags are just lying straight to our faces and their data is just like literally showing it to us that they're lying. Yeah, and here's a statement. As a result, we plan to make minor technical adjustments to our purchase sectors and increase the frequency at which we update purchase allocations to remain roughly proportional to the outstanding supply of nominal coupons and tips. We expect to announce these as part of a normal purchase calendar release in coming months. And that was, you know, of course, you know, two years ago when they said they're going to be selling $50 billion of bonds a month. And only if people like you and me before we even started the Tim and John show, but I was coming out and saying, there's no way they could possibly do this. Here's all the reasons why they couldn't do this. I had an eight minute podcast sure. called the perfect storm is brewing where I lamented that the entire time, but all right, what do you got for us? All right here. I got evidence. I got proof. Do you see this? Like this is the, uh, you see this treasury purchase. But let like people right let people screen. know who let people know who are listening right now who don't. Yeah. Know. So what we're looking at here is actually we're on the New York Fed's website. This is under dash markets dash desk operations treasury secretaries uh, outright purchases, and here you can actually see an outright purchase uh, coupon purchase. And as you can see here, the maturity rate is uh, forty-one to fifty-one. Well, how many years is that, Tim? Oh, that's twenty, thirty years. Like they're buying it. They're not buying a ton yet. But they are buying it. Like here, it's evidence right here. Let's go further down. Uh, it's not here. like they, they're buying the a whole bunch so, of short that's term. That's so right? disheartening. It's like oh here, here we website. go, another one. Yeah, like literally it, it's on right here. Website, here so another it's... one. Yeah, they're buying it right now, but they're not buying it. Like as you can see, you know, the shorter term debt, they're buying it in way higher amounts, but they're still buying it. That's and they the, can't even come out and say we're buying it. They have to act like yeah. a bunch of douchebags. Like, as a result, we plan to make minor technical adjustments to the purchase sector. Instead of saying we're buying 20 and 30 year bonds, bitches. Instead, they come out and say that all this bullshit to basically, you know, make it sound like super boring. So everyone doesn't pay attention and doesn't listen to any of this stuff. And I've actually moved off of the caffeinated uh, seltzer water to now the, <laughs> this regular un. Un, uh, unfiltered uh, in a non-caffeinated strawberry seltzer water so i can calm down a little bit over here because it's just like all the stuff is like you can read this 
And then another person is getting my blood boiling over here is like the last thing I wanted to share was, and, and but you know, I guess we, if you got anything more on the, on this front, cause this is, this would be shifting gears towards uh, vaccines and Joe. Well, uh, yeah. The, the, I think that's basically about this, you know, like they've been buying exorbitant amounts. Actually there was a, a record over the last like half year and mortgage backed securities purchase the other day as well. Actually you can find uh, all my data. If you go, um, Go to my website uh, and you can find let me just share it with people because it's uh, if people are geeks like us they want to you know have access to as much i don't have the pure details on you know the actual terms and everything here i show the repo so you can actually see there's been no repo purchases you know lately no term repos have happened for a very long time uh well, if, you but, don't need to, if you're not required to keep cash in the bank anymore i mean is there a is there like a, even like a technical reason why they would have to do repos if they don't really need to have reserve requirements? Well, they're doing rever reverse repos actually right now. Here, uh, actually, like what I'll do here is I'll it show sounds you like, guys. It's how... like I need a commercial. Like I'm Wilford Brimley and I can do a reverse Look at repo there. and I have diabetes. There you go. <laughs> this is a reverse repo at a fixed rate. So it's basically them buying back uh their their own bonds that they sold to the fed so the bank is buying it uh, back again here so as you can arthur see diamond, point. arthur diamond hands yeah. do you remember when we started this and john said he didn't have that many tabs open and like literally i think anyone that's viewing this shows that he has like 80 tabs open he probably has like <laughs> other screens too that also have like probably 80 tabs open a piece he's like i just have a couple articles you know 80 actually yeah my articles are actually over at the the other one which oh, has like, okay. couple, like 30 other ones it's data. not as bad as that one that's my main one <laughs> okay I don't know who's but no it's uh, know, but it's Josh. yeah no when but it's interesting it's again like treasury purchases to and mortgage-backed securities are like pretty close to record highest and i just want to like mention that to people like there's uh, there's still a lot of pressure on the markets, even though that a lot of these programs that they use through the exchange stabilization fund, like the, uh, uh, let's see. That's now, like what your, is the that's like your like I, IPFS. Funding. So, so every time Ernie says yeah. IPFS, we take a drink and every time I say ESF, ESF <laughs> take a drink. Yeah. So, here's some seltzer water to you. Exactly. You, couldn't, you couldn't do one show without mentioning the ESF. I think every single time. You know, I don't think you've mentioned, mentioned Canada or Norway yet either. So, uh, you know, it's oh, probably, I have not. Yeah, it's probably the well, longest you've ever gone without mentioning about. Norway or Manitoba or uh, <laughs> I mentioned Canada. I, I made a I made a Canada reference with the hockey stick. Well, it's, you, you know, the the reason though is because I've been geeking out on the data. So you know, like I I just like I'm too focused on the data. I'm like a autistic. I have too much focus highly functioning people on the spectrum over here probably but we yeah. have uh, yeah. the last thing i wanted to i really the only thing i wanted to cover today was really the m1 thing because i thought that was nuts but now we have uh you know joe scarborough and of course he's up there with mika brzezinski his wife and mika brzezinski for those who don't know is the daughter of the big new brzezinski who was one of the top <laughs> globalist and he's, he's now dead so fuck that guy but anyways it's a big new brzezinski he wrote the grand chess board he was one of the, the, the trilateral it's like yeah it's like a kissinger guy like one of the, like the yeah. top like, yeah guy that's yeah. Like, up there with like kissinger complete scumbag rockefeller and, uh, yeah can't i mean i'm sure you know mika got this job just on her own merits i remember i was actually the guy that told ernie this i'm like you know that's a big new brzezinski's daughter and he like had no idea that that was the big new brzezinski's <laughs> yeah, daughter right, yeah, yeah. it was up there and i'm like yeah that's the big new brzezinski's daughter and so, I mean, he's like, like like one of the top architects. I mean, he's dead now, but like one of the top architects of all this stuff. He also had a quote that said something like, 
you know, it used to be far easier to uh, control a million people than to kill a million people. And now it's far easier to kill a million people than to control a million people. And talking about the grand chessboard of why he needs in, in, in part of the chessboard, you want to control the middle of the chessboard, which is the middle East. And so that's why, so that's part of like, if you can geographically control the middle East and you can launch sort of like different strategic attacks and proxy wars all across the world. Anyways, that's, that's a whole nother subject that basically that this piece of crap comes from a whole line of a piece of shit family uh, with the Brzezinski's and I've got nothing nice to say about the Brzezinski's as you guys know but anyways here is her uh, you know uh, basically murder husband Joe Scarborough who you know had a intern that was magically found dead in his office and then Trump actually tweeted about this and basically alluded to the fact that he killed her so you know I, I do there are some things I do miss from Trump and so I just love when, when he said that <laughs> some of the like you know if we're gonna have bread and circuses at least we can make this funny and so he, yeah you gotta have it entertaining well now yeah, it's like was, more you know of like it's a like, yeah more of our freedoms die, got taken so. than ever before I, but I guess least... he's entertaining when he talks like yeah, Biden he's... is entertaining when he talks, but otherwise, like when he's just like shutting up, it's no fun at all. Like he needs to be out there speaking to the public on a daily basis. Yeah. So I, I watched this a few days ago and, and just, yeah, yeah I'll just watch this again without getting pissed off. But I mean, yeah, I will. Incredible. The stupidity is incredible. Uh, they've, they've actually, I mean, they, they've taken a, a, a country where uh, we've had people throughout the generations you know, fight for liberty and fight for freedom, freedom of speech, the freedom to go to the church you want to go to, to or the synagogue you want to, or the mosque, or not to go at all, right? The freedom of assembly, all of these freedoms, these idiots are now saying, I have, a, I have the right to be stupid as hell. I have the right to believe stupid as hell people on Facebook. I have the right to believe in conspiracy theories and make you and your family and everybody around you like in danger, put you in danger. Okay, you do, you, you really do. So go ahead, like I said, go ahead, go live in your basement, yeah, all right? But, but it's not gonna stop us. It's and, no it's, dead and if we didn't basement, have Scarborough. the guy that we had in the White House over the past four years, that number you're seeing on the screen, According to people who worked for him and helped run his task force, that number on the screen would have been a lot lower. lower. We would have saved more lives, most likely, than people who died in Vietnam. We would have saved more lives, most likely, than American soldiers who died in combat in World War I. We would have saved so many lives. But no, you had to be stupid. You had to believe the stupid guy. I don't know. You really, I can't help you. Nobody mm-hmm. can help you, right? If you still believe in God, maybe get on your knees and pray and ask why it is that your thought system, that your belief system has been so corrupted that you follow QAnon, that you follow conspiracy theories, well, I that guess you believe liars on Facebook instead of believing the truth. Well, Jesus said, I am the way the truth and the, what, what, when did that stop mattering to you? When did the truth stop mattering to you so much that you were willing to put other people's lives at, at risk? Greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for, for, for his brother. What, you're doing the opposite. You're going out of your way to kill people. <laughs> people that don't get vaccinated. Yes, yeah, so saying that people that don't get vaccinated that we all live in basements 
and our cave dwellers and that we're going to be responsible for people dying. Uh, hey, you know what? Okay. So, oh. I mean, I sort of I, agree I, with them on the like, QAnon part. My blood bit, is boiling. Yeah. Exactly. That's why you could tell. But let, let me let me state something to you, Scarborough. You scumbag. You know, let's talk about. Uh, so there's about 6,000 people that have died of the vaccine right now. Uh, and uh, there's only in the in Europe, there's about 3,600 has been reported. They only say 10% gets reported. In well, the US, there's 3,942. So yeah, in, in just in Europe. Yeah. So it's going to so, be higher than that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but anyways, so they are talking like, remember when COVID came out? It's like, you don't care about people, you know, that they're dying, you know, because a few people are starting to die from the, and the it was virus. Be right? Two to five percent that everyone yeah. was going to die initially this time last year. So. Yeah, well, 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 they were using that against that. And nobody, 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 nobody is talking about deaths. Nobody's dying from the vaccine. Here in Canada, everybody's fine. There's no blood clots in even in Canada. Every every other country has tons of blood clots from AstraZeneca. You know, these these morons. Uh, are basically like it's it's like turning on and, and you like literally think that you walked like you're in the matrix you know you want you be neo like suddenly getting you know like dialed in and going into the matrix where all the peasants are remember you know the scenes that he goes in and then he got to call a phone to get back to the ship again you know that's what you feel like when you're watching this because all the data is there all the data from the bears like the vaccine adverse reaction events like all these uh, different uh, organizations in europe that are reporting on vaccine injury in in uh, the uk i looked at the numbers tim AstraZeneca was 346 reported deaths from AstraZeneca, 246 something from Pfizer. Uh, nobody's reporting on it. And in Norway, you know, they, they ignored that three people died from the blood clots that they got. So there's nobody died from the AstraZeneca vaccine. They just got blood clots, you know, like horrible blood clots that, uh, but yeah, they died from it. So actually the adverse reaction is death. You know, how, how about we talk about that, right, Tim? Uh, that you know, actually, the adverse reaction is death. You know, and uh, yeah, oh, here we go. Yeah, and I heard or, about the. Oh, this guy, oh, this you know, guy is like the slave of the century <laughs> over here. Man's yeah. skin oh. peeled off in rare reaction to Johnson and Johnson COVID vaccine, and somewhere and, and we got to warn. We got to warn. This is disgusting. Oh, this yeah. is very gross to look at. It's like I began to feel a little discomfort in my armpit, and then a few days later, I began to get an itchy rash, and then after that, I began to swell. My skin turned red, and yeah, it looks like his skin is burning off. And somewhere on here. He goes on to say that, you know, it's uh, that he's very thankful. I don't forgot where, it's, where exactly where it says, but somewhere in here that I just pulled up the second. He goes on to say, like, I'm very thankful and grateful to still have received the vaccine and be in such a great country where I could do this. Tip, this article tip, you know what that. we need to play at the end of this? Like, this is what I'm feeling right now. You know, have you ever watched the uh, like Hot Fuzz guys? Have you ever watched that? This is exactly what like mainstream media and everybody else is sounding like right now and what they are the greater good hot fuzz yeah exactly all right shamed calling yourself a community that cares oh but we do care nicholas it's all about the greater good the greater good how can this be for the greater good the greater good how can this be for the greater good <laughs> the greater good shut it Okay, so maybe you guys could find that one on the uh, the yeah. Tim and John Show dot com. Maybe not. Like on this is this is it. Like, come on, like tell me, guys. Like, isn't that like so fitting? But anyways, John, is there anything uh, you know you want to promote? We got the Economic Truth dot org, and uh, what do you got going on over there? Well, actually, yeah, that's the Economic Truth dot org. Matrix. Uh, speaking and, of the and, Matrix and, uh, server, Discord. Oh yeah, so. 
So we're actually working on, so for people that are interested on our Discord and that are also interested in joining us, we're actually, I actually set up a, uh, with our, our friend Matthew Reimer, you know, you know Matthew Reimer, uh, Tim, uh, he's working with like uh, guys uh, like uh, James Corbett and others, you know, to help them with their content moving it over. So he actually helped me set up a, uh, what's called a matrix server with uh, an element app that you could use on your, you could use it as a desktop computer app. Like it's like uh, basically like single, but it's a it's a point-to-point -point encrypted uh, chat service. So it's pretty cool. And it's actually on a private server that we have bought and uh, it's running at a location that is not run by Amazon or any of the big guys at all. So we, we are talking about like, we probably will- it's located there, at 427 know, this street uh, yeah. to go drone. No, it's not giving <laughs> any more information. Yeah, good luck finding it. Good luck finding it. Good <laughs> luck finding it but, in my basement. Yeah, so, no, just kidding. No, <laughs> uh, I don't even have a basement. I wouldn't. I, I got way too bad internet to put anything in my basement. So don't even come here. Get lost. Yeah, don't even try. Uh, yeah. Anyways, but yeah, it's our elements. Uh, so that's our new chat group that we're just launching. Probably we're going to do a full launch by May, I'm hoping. Uh, we're just doing some weeks. So Tim and, and uh, Sister Arthur Diamond is going to be on the server right away. We're going to test it out a bit and, and put our feelers out and how it works and all that fun stuff. Uh, but I, I do think we, uh, we have, it's not a full replacement of our Discord server, but it's very close. Like it's, it's quite close and it's actually like way, 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 way better when it comes to privacy for, uh, you know, what we have at Discord because you know, we constantly get bots in there that think we're like Trump supporters, which is hilarious. So the other thing is, I mean, I don't really yeah. want to build up anything that they can just take down. And so don't obviously know. they can take down YouTube. I mean, I let John post one video without me pre-approving it, and then they go and they they took that one down. So Mr. Naughty, yeah, I, I fucked up. But the it thing is, me. then My fault. With, that's why I'm off Facebook now. I'm off Twitter. Yeah. Off, actually, I haven't even posted on Flow. I've been like literally just on like a complete social media detox. And it's been actually been great. And I've like never been almost more successful of like things I've been able to get done and things I'm doing and happiness, not being on any of the social media. And also it gives me more of like a, uh, a clear, so basically you can follow me nowhere. A mental clarity, everybody. mental <laughs> clarity, but you can follow me on, on float.app forward slash Liberty advisor, go to Tim and John show.com has all the different places where you guys can get the stuff. Uh, Arthur diamond hands going to post down below, you know, all the, uh, all the different links like the bit shoe and the library slash odyssey. And obviously the podcast, if you guys are listening to us and please subscribe. And well, not that I'm like begging. If you're watching this on YouTube, I think we're like 40 I'm like 40 away from getting above 3000. So that would be nice. If you're, you know, one of those last people to get over, get us over that hump would be nice just to be able to break that. But anyways, um, I did last time mention I was looking for, you know, like financial advisors who, you know, are basically my line of thinking. And I did have a guy that was in, uh, I think, graduate school contact me. So, you know, if, if there are more people want to contact me, Tim at InnovativeWealth.com uh, about potential job opportunities for, you know, other financial advisors who are, you know, basically liberty mindset. Maybe they know about crypto. Obviously, they've got to, you know, be able to speak this language somewhat, uh, you know, not looking for, you know, your common average financial advisor type person because they are obviously more than a dime a dozen. But you salespeople. Know, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm looking for a good, yeah, a good salesperson yeah. that knows about crypto, knows about, no, no, but I'm not, know, yeah. Griffin type stuff. Knows about. But yeah, the average person. Yeah. But no, I mean, if you can't sell, you can't do anything. But, you know, but and also there's also support roles and doing things like, you know, uh, like maybe financial plans and input, data input and stuff like that. But yeah, we know we're 
rock and rolling over here, yeah. so that'd be the big ass. I'm being uh, Tim's friend. That's how I uh, I'm part of the team. I'm I'm Tim's friend, so <laughs> part of the part of the team. But anyways, no, and, and thank you so much to Arthur Diamond Hands, the Bitcoin booster down there, who's been helping us out, you know, big time. And he's also in the Cash Daddy's Discord, uh, you know, typing in lots of things over there and being really active and also obviously our discord as well that i've been you know just i didn't realize yeah. till right now that my articles i've been sharing saving weren't going to discord so now i need to go back and figure out my zapier link you've been missing you but uh i've been able I've been to saving like stuff. Yeah, i just help, didn't realize yeah, that it wasn't love going, to get that i wasn't going there because i'm no. still reading a bajillion yeah. things a day obviously but uh anyways no thank you guys so much this is tim Pichot with the liberty advisor you can find me at thelibertyadvisor.com John Stice from the economic truth.org. You can find both of us at Tim and John show.com with links to everything we just said. And then uh, Arthur diamond hands, anywhere you want people to find you other than discord, or you want to be mysterious and just find you on the discord. Uh, I, I have a float account, Arthur diamond hands. Okay. Float.app yeah, slash Arthur diamond hands. He's a floater. We're all floaters. I do like what they're doing over there. And I do obviously, yeah. I'm, you know, good friends there in Kingsley and, support what they're up to but at the end of the day i'm not it's not about getting likes not about being you know famous and people you know it's about putting information out there trying to actually you know for me it was about having a record to be like you know what you guys said you know all this stuff you couldn't see, couldn't predict happen well i was predicting so much shit yep. for so long that people were like you should just make and i were like you know what? it was so ridiculous i'm like you know what? i just need to start putting it out there on video because people wouldn't they would just think i was a liar well you weren't as cool as peter shift him right like that you were actually on mainstream the tv in 2006 seven well yeah exactly. i was also yeah i was still in college getting propagandized and doing the whole fraternity life thing back then but now you know what uh we've graduated but you know I, i'm sort of somewhat grateful 2008 happened otherwise i probably wouldn't working at one of those big scumbag banks that yeah. we were mentioning earlier but guess what nobody was hiring in 2008 at least for you know stockbroker financial advisor i wanted to be a stock analyst i didn't want to, have to sell anything i didn't want to have to go around and beg people for the money i wanted to be like in a cubicle and just go and you know nerd out and different you know stock analysts <laughs> i wanted to do but that job didn't exist in 2008 so well it did but you know if you were yeah. like related to the right people or uh you know but i wasn't and so anyways i'm glad at how things you weren't a wall street inbreder <laughs> yeah, but I'm one of the few people where I, I've never had a W-2 job outside of like, you know, a lifeguard job yeah. when I was, but you know, I've never, since I've read, I've never had a W-2 job, never was taking money from any of the big banks, never, I mean, which is, I mean, how many people can say they've never had a W-2 job, you know, outside of, you know, bullshit and like, uh, you know, busboy job that I did and, uh, and also lifeguard. Other than that, never had a W-2 job in my life, which if I did have a W-2 job, I probably would have bought, you know, a bunch of Bitcoin early on and probably been retired by now. So I don't know why I'm bragging about that because, you know, <laughs> I was, you know, struggling, you know, trying to do the whole financial advisor thing, not being a great salesman in the beginning. But anyways, rocking and rolling now. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much, Arthur Diamond Hands. And uh, yeah, catch us at timandjohnshow.com. Take care.